Hey, Heat Nation! Welcome back to Eaters Gonna Eat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. Thank you for checking in, as always. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team, up 1-0 again in a playoff series this year, the Miami Heat. So, as you all know by this point, Miami, with a Game 1 win over the Boston Celtics last night to start off the series on the right foot for them. As usual, we'll go through the recap of that game a bit of fun there, and then look ahead to Game 2, which will be Friday night, still at Boston. Admittedly, don't have a ton of time. Let's get right on into it. So Game 1, last night, Miami won at the Celtics, 123-116. to A game that could probably be summed up as a reverse third quarter just changes everything for Miami, and that ended up being the deciding factor. For rotation stuff real quick, the Heat ended up only going nine deep. I thought that part interesting. I thought they would have gone ten deep with maybe some Highsmith minutes. Instead, though, Highsmith did not get any minute. Duncan Robinson rounded out the rotation to get it to nine. Everybody else in the roster is, is who we are used to at this point. And then on the Celtics side of things, they ended up only going eight deep with the same seven that they used to close out the Sixers series and then rounding out the rotation, interesting enough as well, Peyton Pritchard but no minutes for Grant Williams. So that thought, I think that might have come back to bite them a little bit in this game. That could be a future adjustment, but we'll talk about that when we look ahead. So for this game, though, game one, Celtics only went eight deep to Miami's nine deep. As for the game itself, uh, started out phenomenally. A very tightly contested first quarter saw lots of ties and lead changes. For the game, we ended up with double-digit lead changes and ties, just to give you a bit of an idea. But the first quarter was the encapsulation of that. First quarter, though, Boston really got ahead off of Rob Williams' three offensive rebounds, leading to a bunch of extra possessions for the Celtics. While on Miami's side, they got by with Jimmy Butler 12 points in the first quarter, starting off and showing, hey, his ankle looked perfectly fine. Uh, Heat were down two, though, going into the second quarter. But again, in one of those quarters, neither team really got ahead by more than, I think, five. Just to say, close quarter. Second quarter as well, mostly the same. Tied halfway through the second quarter when the Celtics started to put things together, going on a 15-2 run to take a big lead. Miami just committing way too many turnovers in the second quarter. I think there was like five or something. But they did manage to chip Boston's lead from double digits down to nine single digits going into the half. So a little bit of positive momentum going Miami's way. And they used that, went into the locker room, came out with a game plan, and third quarter just on fire. A 13-1 run early in the quarter tied the game at 72 then through the remainder of the quarter, Miami just kept chipping away, getting, you know, trading like two buckets for one bucket for the Celtics, things like that. Not any major runs, but just steadily increasing their lead until they closed the third quarter on a furious 11-4 run to put themselves up 12 going into the fourth quarter. And remember, they came, they started the quarter down nine. They finished the quarter up 12. It was an insane 46 to 25 third quarter for Miami. That's why I said it was like a reverse third quarter. We're used to, we're used to getting this on our end, like receiving that kind of 21 point swing. Instead, able to throw that back on them, that felt pretty good. Fourth quarter still had to be played though. Celtics, to their credit, hung around through the entire fourth quarter, got Miami's lead as little as 
four with a few minutes left. And then it came down to the cl- the stars of the team to finish things off, and that ended up being the difference. Jason Tatum, who had a pretty good game up until that point, really just let it go at the end of the game, committing three turnovers, two of them just being travels, and some, one of them leading to a Jimmy Butler dagger three to put the heat up ten with a minute left. From there, it was pretty much just figuring out what the final score was going to be. It ended up being Miami winning 123-116. to Takeaways for the game now. Before we get to Jimmy, because I always have to get to Jimmy, I really do need to give props to Miami shooters. Miami went 16 of 31, which is 52% from three, compared to Boston's 10 of 29, only good for 35%. With the Heat getting multiple threes, from a wide array of players. like th- This is what we talked about, right? In the p- uh, preview episode, last one, where the Celtics are going to try to get Jimmy Butler off ball. They're going to try to funnel shots to Miami shooters, and then it's going to be the, the deciding factor is going to be whether or not Miami can knock down those shots. They absolutely did. Again, 16 to 31%, 50% is phenomenal, especially when the contributions are coming across the board. Multiple threes made from Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, and Kyle Lowry. All three of those players went three of five from three. Caleb Martin went three of seven. Kevin Love went two of three. So, again, it was not like Max Struess or Duncan Robinson. Like it, it wasn't one or two shooters going off. It was everybody contributing at least multiple three-pointers made just to keep the force spread for Bam and Jimmy. That was, I mean, it, it has to be mentioned. Just like it also has to be mentioned how the Celtics, for a team that typically tries to get 40-plus three-point attempts up, could not even crack 30, which Miami was making an emphasis with that with their defense to limit Boston's chances from threes. Granted, the Celtics, as we'll get to in a little bit, did use that aggression to close out on the three-point line for Miami's defense to get into the paint more and do some damage inside. But ultimately, Miami was able to knock down a ton of threes and they were able to limit one of the strengths of the Boston Celtics. 35% is not bad, but on the low volume, only getting, only making 10 because of that, while Miami made 16 threes, that's a plus 18 difference from three that is arguably the biggest factor for why Miami won this game. Another huge factor from Miami, though, having Jimmy Butler on the team. Jimmy finishing with 35 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, and six steals. I don't think I've ever seen Jimmy have six steals in a game. Oh, there was an interesting stat that went out there. It was along the lines of like uh, players in the playoffs that have had multiple 35 5 5 5 games, so like 35 points, five rebounds, five assists, five steals. And that list of players with multiple games of those is three players long now. Jimmy Butler just got his second one. Allen Iverson, Hall of Famer. And then a guy you might have heard of named Michael Jordan, who I think had like seven of them, <laughs> which is still just another point of like how insane Michael Jordan was. But like Jimmy was doing Michael Jordan stuff in this game, which does not help the running joke that he is somehow Michael Jordan's son when he does Michael Jordan stuff. But hey, I will take, even if he's not literally his biological son, then the current incarnation of Michael Jordan, I will gladly accept that on my team. Back on track now, though. Jimmy Butler uh, did his damage on 12 of 25 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3-point range, and 9 of 10 from the free throw line. Just doing lots of mid-range jumpers, 
got the dagger three, which gave us the quote of the night. It was a crazy shot, like went in and out, but went straight up and just with a great shooter's bounce, the three just drops right in, puts Miami up 10, and you just hear the announcer, it's Jimmy freaking Butler, just <laughs> encapsulated, I think, how that game felt for both sides, right? Like, my, we're just like, it's Jimmy freaking Butler, he nailed that, and then I'm fairly certain for the Celtics fans, Jimmy freaking Butler nailed that. But got to give him all his flowers. Oh, also while primarily defending Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the other end. Just, I think the other thing, and the last thing for Jimmy, did a good job of pacing himself throughout three quarters to have enough left in the fourth quarter where we know we need him the most. And part of what helped him pace, all those threes that Miami was getting from the shooters, and then the next takeaway, a decisive Bam Adebayo showing up in the third quarter. Bam had a bit of a good first half, finished with nine points, but got but matched all that in the third quarter of alone when he had nine big points, really came out to try to set a tone. And I use the word decisive because uh, if you listen to this podcast frequently throughout the season, this has been something I've talked about a lot as well. The Not so much Bam being aggressive so much as it is being decisive. And the difference there is decisive is Bam catches the ball and then immediately goes into something whether that's a dribble, to pass, immediately into a shot, but just so long as Bam is not catching the ball and then stopping the flow of the offense to think about things. If you can just catch, stay decisive, stay in the flow, that's how we get great Bam out of bio games like this. Finished with 20 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, on 9 of 13 from the field, 2 of 5 from free throw range. Still room to be better if he can expand on what his third quarter was. Like, the free throw shooting, yeah, 2 of 5 is not too great. Could have been better. Only 13 field goal attempts. Again, we've talked before, not just we, but the Miami Heat themselves have talked before about trying to get Bam around, like, 16 to 18 attempts a game. So, again, point there being, Bam had a really great game. There's more room for him to improve. That's got to be another good sign for Miami. Last major takeaway, though, and this kind of builds upon what happened with Bam as well, but this really was a tale of two halves for the Miami Heat and how they flipped everything in especially the third quarter. So you look at a bunch of the miscellaneous battles that that, uh, we see, like turnovers, fast breaks, points in the paints, offensive rebounds. Almost all those were going the Celtics' way, and and most of them still went the Celtics' way by the end. So let's go through uh, real quick then, right? Miami wins the turnover battle 12-15. to Great. That's something that Miami has typically done throughout this playoffs. That was also something that I mentioned as a key to the game, uh, win the turnover battle. However, in the first half, they were getting beat 9-5. to And especially in the second quarter is where they really coughed up. I think it was like five turnovers, and some of them were just literally... Boston took it down the court and slammed it for a fast break, easy bucket. Second half for Miami, though, they won the turnover battle 3-10 to with us of at least three of those Boston, of those 10 Boston turnovers in the second half coming from Jason Tatum in the closing minutes. So Miami flipped the script entirely on the turnover battle. I remember personally I was watching that game, and at halftime I was thinking, hey, if Miami can just stop with the stupid turnovers that they were doing in the first half, they'll be in good position in the second half. And they exceeded my expectations, winning that 3-10. to 10. 
uh, offensive rebounding. They did lose the overall offensive rebounding battle, 7-9, to nine, but in the first half they were getting slammed, only two offensive rebounds to the Boston 6, with Rob Williams doing a lot of that damage himself. In the second half, though, Miami won offensive rebounds 5-3. to three. So again, lose the overall battle, but getting beat in the first half, winning it in the second half. See if that continues. Points in the paint. They lost points in the paint overall, 40-62. to 62. Uh, And the first half, they really got bludgeoned 16-40, to 40, bringing flashbacks from Game 1 against the Knicks. However, in the second half, Miami won points in the paint, 24-22. Trend continues. And then uh, fast-break points. Did Miami did lose the fast-break point battle 12-15, to 15, but again, we see the same pattern. First half, it, they lose it 2-9. And again, a lot of those are the stupid turnovers that Miami committed that led to easy fast break opportunities for the Celtics. So when all that got cleaned up in the second half, not too big a surprise. Second half, Miami wins fast break points 10 to 6. So again, all those little trends, they all say the same thing. Miami playing a little bit sloppy or the, and the Celtics taking advantage in the first half, cleaning all that up in the second half to win all those miscellaneous battles. And last takeaway... Ultimately, this game swung because Miami had a game plan coming out of halftime to take that third quarter with a furious 46-point scoring quarter. That just Again, 46 points in a quarter is not normal. But they did that, and then they had enough left to hold on in the fourth. And we already saw the same thing uh, we saw last year. Uh, Joel Mazzulla for the, for the Boston Celtics did the whole thing. Hey... We did win three out of the four quarters. True. 100% true. But the game is not decided by who wins more quarters. The game is decided by who has more points at the end of the game. And Miami did because in that one quarter they won, they won it by plus 21. That was the deciding factor. Zooming out now. Overall, I'm obviously enjoying this. Miami takes first blood. However, we have to keep in mind, job's not done. This is still a long series that can go any number of ways. Moving on, uh, as time is unfortunately limited, let's look ahead a little bit to Game 2 that will be on Friday night. First, uh, just look at the injury report. No updates from Monday. Tyler Hero, nothing new there. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I, I don't think he, at earliest, I think it'll be Game 3, and that's being very optimistic. So don't expect him for Game 2 at all. And then on the Celtics side of things, nothing new there. The only person listed, uh, unfortunately, Danilo Gallinari, who's been out all season. Though, do hope he gets better. So, that's super quick. Let's look ahead to Game 2, again, at Celtics on Friday. What's at stake here? Well, if Miami wins this, that puts them up 2-0 in the series with Games 3 and 4 at Miami. Uh, Again, same thing we talked about before, right? If Miami somehow wins Game 2, that puts Boston into just crisis mode and puts the Heat with a chance to sweep this series in, in what would be probably the most unpredictable sweep to have ever happened in NBA playoffs history. So I don't think that's going to be the case. A loss for this would be understandable, again, because all the onus is on the Celtics right now to not go into an 0-2 hole. So would it be understandable for the Celtics to play their best game? And if that ends up happening and they lose, it's not the end of the world just because Miami has already accomplished the goal splitting the first two games at Boston. This is the same pattern we have seen through the first two rounds with Miami, right? You win game one, you end up losing game two, 
But take games three and four, and then you're in a three-one lead, and then from there on out, you just gotta take care of business to close out the other team. So with that said, what kind of adjustments do we think we can see for this next game? Well, Celtics are the ones that lost. They're, the onus is on them to really make adjustments. What, and the big one probably staring them in the face and that they're asking right now is what they do with their starting lineup. Because throughout the year, Derek White was the starter in place of Rob Williams. And it was only recently that they, in game six and seven against the Sixers, that they switched it up and swapped out White for Rob Williams. And worked very well for game six and seven and arguably worked through the first half of this game. The second half, not so much though. But the reason why I think if I'm the Celtics and I look into putting Derek White into the starting lineup is I think it helps the Celtics lean into a bit more of an offensive identity. At the very least, leans more into them getting threes up because with Rob Williams on the bench, Al Horford being able to shoot from threes, the Celtics can start a five-out lineup that could get more threes up and, and try to make the difference there. Or conversely, maybe the Celtics make the argument that Miami's not going to shoot as hot from three and they keep the more defensive-leaning, paint-attacking uh, Rob Williams, Al Horford starting front court going. Uh, other adjustments that I think the Celtics could make, probably trying to get some minutes for Grant Williams. I thought that was very odd that he did not play any minutes in game one. I do understand that apparently he's been in the doghouse with, with their head coach, Missoula, in and out throughout the season, but like... You kind of got to set that aside when Grant Williams has a history of being a really good defender on Bam Adebayo. Like, in the preview pod, I mentioned that Bam was going to have a tough time because of Rob Williams, Al Horford, and Grant Williams. I will give him the credit for that. And in a game that my uh, Bam arguably took things over in the third, so then Jimmy could coast until the fourth, putting Grant Williams out there and, and him being able to limit Bam Adebayo could have also been a deciding factor. So... I mean, if he didn't play him in game one, that, that still seems really weird to me. Uh, and sure, I will hope that he continues to do that and not play Grant Williams at all. But maybe with this game one loss, he looks he looks back at his bench and goes, I know, I probably could have had Grant Williams out there defending Bam a few of those possessions. And maybe I need to do that game two. So would not be surprised for Grant Williams to see some minutes in game two. Or if Missoula wants to go the opposite way, he could just cut out Peyton Pritchard entirely and go seven deep. Eight if he wants to do Grant Williams as well. Because Peyton Pritchard, for the most part, was just cooked out there. Uh, zero points, I believe, and just hunted by Jimmy Butler every time Butler saw him out there. So you could trade out a Pritchard, who's not really offensively productive and de defensively getting hunted, for a Grant Williams who can at least spot shoot and you know defend Bam. So I think that makes a very logical decision to me. Again, would not be surprised to see it happen. Also would not be surprised if Missoula just says, forget either of these two. We're just going seven deep like we did against the Sixers. Although doing that in game two might put a big burden on their players. We'll see. So again, this is why, this is why it's nice when uh, the Heat win and we don't have to worry about some of these tough decisions. But I think the point there, it still remains... The Celtics do have decisions. It depends a little bit upon what kind of decisions they want to do. I th uh, next possible adjustment, well, not really call this a possible adjustment, something definitely the Celtics are going to try to do, get more threes up. Like I mentioned earlier, Boston aims for about 40-plus three-point attempts a game. They didn't even crack 30 in this one. 
that's definitely going to be something they're going to look at to try to get more three-point attempts up. Which, that's where I go to with, like, maybe you have a Derek White and you go, you start five out. And they're just trying to rain threes just to get that volume up. But those are the major major adjustments I think the Celtics are going to make for game two. And then it literally could just come down to a better shooting performance as well or back against the wall, yada, yada. Again, like, I've always said with the Celtics, it's a matter of them playing up to their talent and getting out of their own heads Sometimes they have you got to get your back pushed up against the wall to get out of your own head. We have seen this happen from the Celtics before as well, most recently against the Sixers. So, other side now, what could Miami do to try to continue to build upon what they did in Game 1? The big one has to be, can Bam continue his second-half performance? Because Bam in the second half, and especially the third quarter, dominant, decisive. A problem for the Celtics that they did not look like they had an answer for. So, obviously, if Bam can continue that, that's a huge uh, factor into Miami's favor. After that, will the shooters regress? I mean, 52% is unsustainably high for from three-point range. Uh, though, I saying that, I do feel a, a little bit of like I'm echoing what I said in the Bucks series. And ultimately, the Heat shot really well, and that was one of the big factors in that series. Maybe they can repeat that here. Or maybe they have an abysmal shooting performance similar to what happened <laughs> against the Knicks. That will just have to wait and see. Like, Miami only got 31 attempts up, so they did not get a ton of three-point attempts up. However, they didn't really need to, considering that they were shooting over 50%. So, we will see what happens with the Heat shooters and also what the Celtics try to do maybe to uh, make it a little bit harder for those three points to drop. And lastly, though it probably doesn't need to be done considering the Miami's ahead in this series currently, there is still the possibility for Duncan Robinson's minutes to get cut out of the rotation as Miami trims it down to eight. Mainly just because he really did not have a, a too great first game. Did not make, uh, I think it was only 0 of 2 for 3. Though he did still pull gravity on the offensive end and did a solid enough job on the defensive end. So I do expect Duncan to at least get some first half minutes. And then depending upon how it goes, maybe he gets some second half. Uh, But I don't expect him cut out of the rotation entirely just yet. But that is something I'm keeping an eye on as this series progresses. Because if if Highsmith is not going to get minutes... uh, then it's going to come. Then the other rotation spot that the other rotation spots that you could cut next would be Duncan Robinson, and then after that would be Cody Zeller. So for now, keep an eye on Duncan. See how his minutes look in Game Two. So Game Two, like I mentioned, will be on Friday. I will be back with the next episode on Saturday. I do thank you for hanging around today, though. That'll be all for this episode. Please, if you can, follow the pod at Heaters Heating and myself at Kyle underscore B underscore Russell off of Twitter. Also, check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball. Obviously, we got a lot of Celtics coverage going on right now as well over there, especially for Celtics Lab. And links for everything are in the show notes as usual. I'll be back on Saturday. Until then, have a great rest of your week, Heat Nation.